Thanks for tuning in. Episode 35 of The Brian Oak Show. I'm very excited about this particular episode because it's uh, our guest tonight is a guy I've known for a long time. And I've always been a huge fan from day one. Uh, but maybe not day one. He's got a previous band that I don't know a ton about. But his solo work uh, at the very beginning I became a serious fan of. And I've liked him ever since. He's a brilliant live performer. He is an incredible songwriter. And I think the highest praise I could give him is there's literally no one else quite like him to me i that's that's what you do in life right that's how you carve your path that's how you leave your mark that's how you make a name for yourself and even if those aren't his driving forces he's done all those things mark malman will be talking to very shortly but before we do that i want to say hi thanks for tuning in to the brian oak show podcast which is supported by smart start mn they get you back on the road if you've had a dui they can get you back in your vehicle way sooner and for way cheaper than you'd ever expect more on that later I also want to introduce Sean Bernard, my business partner and producer. How are you, man? I'm doing great. How come you're not wearing a mask? Oh, yeah. I know. I flew back and forth to Arizona. There were several masks on the plane. Of course there were. Yeah, and I get it. No, we're all going to die. We're all going to die because you voted for that guy. I had a friend in high school who used to wear that shirt. He'd he'd just wear white t-shirts every day, and every day he would write a different thing on there. And that was my favorite one. He just had a shirt, white shirt, every day. And it said, we're all going to die because you voted well, for that Well, that's what one of them was, but that was my favorite. But what does that even mean? Like, who? Which guy? It was, uh, I think it was... Reagan? Uh, it must have been Reagan at that yeah. point. Uh, he was the same, he's the same <laughs> guy. His, his name was Chris. I never saw him ever since high school, but he's also the guy that took the little, uh, I forget, when you dissect the frog, that little, you know, wooden thing with the metal end of it. He, he I, Scalpel? I go, I go, Chris, you should uh, you should put that in the light socket and see what happens. He literally just right at it. <laughs> just <laughs> sparks all over the place. Yeah. Good some time, people, so. man, some people are not afraid of anything in there, but they're also not bright sometimes as well. No. Are you at all afraid of coronavirus? Well, I, I'm glad they're taking it seriously. I kind of look at it as uh, the same way I treat TSA, that I'd rather be really cautious about it and not have anything happen then not act like it's or act like it's not happening at all i think a balance is necessary right now because it is a concern and it can be potentially fatal but generally not unlike the flu more towards the elderly and those with pre-existing conditions and i went to the grocery store a couple of days ago and if you walk down the aisle where they sell household products like disinfectant wipes or anything like that empty like uh, i know end end of the world empty so yeah everyone just breathe but not close to other people or too deeply and preferably through a mask, we're going to be okay. I saw a uh, John Oliver, you're familiar? Yes. He made his name on The Daily Show oh, and yeah. now has his own show on HBO called This Week Tonight. He did his most recent episode on coronavirus, and as brilliantly, as, as consistently brilliant as that show is, it might be the funniest episode I've ever seen. Um, people are actually asking on air, online, everywhere, will I be safer if I gar- gargle bleach? And then I also saw a legitimate news program where people are making a lot of money to be on television ask, can I get coronavirus from eating Chinese food? People are just not. I mean, you just wonder. Maybe you don't wonder. Maybe you just know that a lot of people are not bright and it's all going to end sometime. <laughs> I don't know when. Probably going to be a virus or something, most likely. Oh, oh, no, no. I mean, like you know, these kinds of contagions. They're they're cyclical. It's a mathematical yeah. inevitability. Is this the one? I don't know, I mean, but it's it's not black plague like. But I mean, at some point, the Earth is a self regulating system. People always worried like, oh, we're killing the Earth. Nope, Earth is going to outlive all of us by billions of years. What we're doing is putting ourselves at risk. So yes, caution is the way to go. But every, I just I want everyone to relax. Is that possible? Well, no, I mean, the, the Black Plague was what, or the last major plague was 1918, and 50 million people died. The problem is, we didn't have social media. <laughs> <laughs> we, we also didn't have, I don't think we had a lot of uh, antibacterial <laughs> No, wipes, we didn't. And we, I don't know if we had a lot of, um, you know, antimicrobial, uh, microbial anything. No. Yeah, okay, no. so we're going to be fine. Everyone breathe. We're going to figure it out. If Ebola didn't do it, I doubt very much the coronavirus is going to do it. Fingers crossed. You look a little feverish. Are you sure you're okay? More or less. We should probably clean off these microphones. Uh, I actually 
luckily I was able to secure a, uh, a canister of wipes. Nice. I wiped out everything in the studio before we got here. Hmm. Hopefully our guest tonight, Mark Malman, is not a germ guy. And by tonight, I mean this morning. It's actually the morning. It's just weird. Um, I want to thank, uh, again, our, our studio sponsor, Smart Start MN. They are the state's first in- ignition interlock program. If you get a DUI, you can't drive. You lose your license. Everything's suspended. However, they put what is oversimplifying it, but essentially a breathalyzer in your car. You blow very clean. You get to drive to work. You get to bring your kids to daycare. You get to take them to fencing lessons or whatever it is they're into or places that you have to be, meetings, other things. Your life must go on, even though it got more expensive and more complicated. What's the best way for people to get in touch with Smart Start MN? Well, the way we would appreciate them reaching out to them is via smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. That way they know that the... uh, you know, that the advertising's working and that it came from us. Uh, that's really all you have to do. You don't have to fill out any weird forms or anything. Or you could even click on the banner at com if that's easier for you. And they get a discount that way. And, again, these guys, they're not about shame. They're act- This is their business. They're about getting you back on the road. They know that these things happen even if you feel conspicuous. It's just a way to get back on the road. Yeah, they're really good people, and I think we are uh, – uh, we are aligned in many ways, uh, and and so it's so cool that they support the show. So if you know somebody that got a DUI and they need to be able to drive for the next six months or a year, or as a friend of mine dealt with two and a half years, Oof. Uh, this is the best way to be able to do it affordably. For more than 20 years, uh, our guest that we'll be talking to very shortly here, uh, I have been aware of his music. And if you look at the back of the CD of his very first release as a solo artist, 1998's The Tourist, he looks like a baby. He's got a little blonde bowl cut, and he, <laughs> he looks like, he looks like, and again, I hope he doesn't take this the wrong way, Cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch, <laughs> but except except like an emo version of Cousin Oliver with no glasses. He's thoughtful, but throughout the course of his career, what I've loved about his music and his writing is, A, it's honest. I've always believed every song he's written, but... I also like that the universe seeks a balance. I feel that there is a darkness that pervades his thoughts, and we'll find out if I'm accurate about that or not, but he never lets it completely consume him. He never loses hope. He always believes that there's a better tomorrow, and I think that that's been his philosophy, at least from my point of interpretation. It's what I've inferred for more than 20 years. We'll talk to Mark Malman just ahead, but I want to share what might be my favorite song that he's ever written off of the same release, the same titled release from 2012, a song called Double Silhouette on The Brian Oak Show. Children are grown assassins If you're looking for trouble Then you're staring it right in the face Welcome to my
when I learned more about that record, that it was informed by a hideous breakup, but <laughs> but also there was a sci-fi aspect to it which i love not only the cover which was yeah. genius it looked like a it looked like a 1960s pulp sci-fi novel yeah but it was also told in reverse so it had a little bit of uh, memento to it i i love that record so much and so to say it's my favorite mark Mallman record is by in by no means to damn anything else he's done because i am a genuine fanboy yeah. of mark Mallman. but i i just i, I think it's a masterpiece anyway hello mark Mallman. Hi. how are you i'm great it's good to talk to you man um Tell me a little bit about Double Silhouette, because I think there are brilliant songs on there, but did I get that even half right? Like, it's told in reverse, and it was informed by some pretty severe personal pain, yeah? Um, yeah, I, I, it, the, the album was recorded mostly in L.A., uh, and I had gone through a breakup, and I w- was interested in, like, um, what about how we process a breakup? What, what happens after the breakup? So there's a lot of albums... That in songs that are written about kind of woe is me, I broke up or I lost my love, something like that. Um, but it, I wanted to see, but what do you, how do you accept accountability for where you screwed up and accuse them, tell them where they screwed up, and then move forward? So it, it's really not a breakup album. It's a, it's a re- reclamation maybe record and 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 uh, and it was my return to theme albums. Uh, uh, so I, I in uh, in between the devil and middle sea and invincible criminal are, are more like collections of songs, and it was my return to uh, to writing one singular uh, idea. For people who don't know the Mark Malman story, I mean, way back in the day, you were in a band called The Odd, but then in the late '90s, you went solo and put out The Tourist. And I have to be honest, I, I was kind of jokingly referring to you as Cousin Oliver on the back of that early on, because, <laughs> but you did have the blonde bowl cut, and you you look so fresh faced and young as we all did twenty yeah. plus years <laughs> ago. Um, but I mean, like you, it sounded fully formed, but it also. The, my favorite thing about Mark Malman is, as I mentioned earlier, there's no one else like Mark Malman. There's no one. You write gorgeous, melodic, informative, brilliant, <laughs> illustrative stories. I'm not. I'm not trying to kiss your ass because you're sitting in our studio. I, I've always been a fan, and I, I just I wonder. Like, so you start like that, and anyone who's seen you live, like you. You come alive on the stage. You do not ever shy away from a live performance ever. Were you like that right out of the gate? Were you like that in 1998 with a tourist? Was your foot up on the keyboard? Were you in danger of going off the rails at any moment? I mean, I was wilder uh, for certain. I was wilder. Uh, I was, I was not. I was. A, I was a nihilist kid, uh, informed by um, some of the like. I don't know. Uh, inaccurate observations of people like Hesse and Sartre. I, I read a lot of the existentialists and and I think at that point in my life being young and having not experienced uh, any deep misfortunes that come along with like the balance of the human experience, I, I, I maybe had a little bit more freedom to explore like nihilism and on stage uh, I was uh, definitely was more uh, I needed to rein it in and I don't feel like I reined it in until really till I started touring I, I, I knew I had a lot of energy but I didn't know where the energy was going and so I would be breaking <clears throat> mirrors on stage and crawling on them or spray painting my body with that blonde hair you know it's interesting I, I want to I'll tell you a story. You want to hear a story? I'd love to hear a story. When That's I, the whole point. <laughs> People keep asking me, what is this podcast about? I'm like, it's literally about the stories of the guests that we have. Please tell me a story. So this is, uh, so, yeah, some people, uh, we were talking about Shirley Manson and what a fantastic performer she is when mm-hmm. I first saw Garbage in uh, the entry on their second show ever. She was uh, still learning the stage, you know? And uh, I played with Cat Power um, on the, uh, I think it was the Moon Picks tour, mm. and she was, you know, still exploring the stage. And now she's she's incredibly incredible stage performer. And I I, I went backwards. Uh, I I had to learn this. I had to learn how to rein it in. I had to learn how to rein craziness. And I was frustrated. And I 
And and uh, it took a little while, you know. It took probably a hundred, maybe hundred and fifty performances where I, where I started to understand, you know, uh, like like a like a like a painter learning how to not get things blurry and to communicate what he was drawing from. And it's funny that you mentioned germs earlier because the first time I saw Decline of the Western Civilization Part One, Darby Crash of the Germs was falling down, and you could on stage and and he could barely speak into the mic and he says where's my beer where's my beer and then he falls down again and and I watched it over and over there's something about his reckless abandon that spoke to my heart because he was he had left music behind entirely it was it was like a Cy Twombly painting it, it just almost a snapshot of a, of a garbage of a gar of a gar, not the band not like real garbage you know <laughs> uh and it 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 there's something about darby crash's uh uh disregard uh total disregard for performance uh that completely inspired me <laughs> and still does as a performer i i but i love to watch uh, joe cocker's performances his style of singing uh, like ch- channeling this um, force uh, that's from the beyond, you know, being a conduit as a singer and not letting the song come from your mind and not even letting the song come from your lungs, but let it come through from behind your spine, from some other place and not knowing where it's coming from and and just channel it, speak in tongues, you know, be possessed, Um let the let the song be an exorcism of something leaving your body from another world. So uh, I, I think those those that that uh, that ability to channel something was always in me. And even when you look at the back of the tours, you see the blonde kid. But I I just didn't know then. You know, it took a while to to really know how much Darby Crash to put in the show, how much Joe Cocker to put in the show, how much Tina Turner to put in the show, and how much Mark Mullen to put in the show. So when we talk about that level of recklessness, though, I think that everybody who's ever really explored music and enjoyed music, that recklessness is what makes a live performance potentially one of the greatest things you've ever seen. But it also means that you are walking on a tightrope. There are going to be shows that are, as as a result of that, that recklessness are going to be impossibly brilliant. But there are also going to be shows where you're like, Oof, that was not good. I mean, have you ever had that regret after? I mean, digging into your id and and being honest with yourself is is one animal. But then, like you know, like sometimes it it, it can't work a hundred percent of the time. Nobody bats a thousand. Uh, I I don't think we can judge art on working and not working, especially in a performance where you're bringing elements of improvisation uh into it i think you just have to accept it for what it is uh it is what it is that was the show and i wasn't um my ego you know if you if you keep it out and you just like let your spirit guide you even though that sounds crazy but like just kind of let in the in the method of improvisation even a jazz musician will tell you you don't really know entirely where it's coming from you open yourself and you let the music lead, you listen and then play. You listen to some place that nobody really knows what it is. Uh, is it coming from the mind or is it coming from outer space? Is it coming from the center of your genes? I don't know. Genes, G-E-N-E-J-E-N-S, both. And and so, <laughs> you know, but... but I. I think, I think it's your I think it's a it works against you as an artist to judge yourself. I think it works for you as an artist to be critical and expect a lot of yourself on stage. But when you're improvising and we're channeling stuff, you know, you just there's gonna be points where where you fall down and then what inspires people is when you pick yourself up. You know, a lot of things happen where you know, you go to a place and and you can feel that the band or what you're saying you're improvising isn't totally or i can literally fall down off the keyboard i've done that where i'm standing on top of the keyboard and, mm-hmm. and it falls into the audience or onto the ground and then 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 they wonder and then what you do is you just keep playing you just keep going we were on tour last year and the kick pedal broke during the middle of this this tune where we break into live and let die in the middle of the song parasite eyes and the kick 
kick drops out. And I look over at the drummer, and he shrugs, and he looks at me in panic. And I look down, and the kick pedals broke. So I just, like, went down there, and I grabbed the, the kick. It was snapped in half. So I grabbed the mallet, and I just kept singing, and I... You know, I pounded out the rest of the song. Like, that's great. If you own a restaurant, sometimes you got to sweep the floor. You know, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, you just you make it work, and that's what the human experience is about. And art is is a reflection of the human experience, and that's how we connect to it. One of my favorite things about Mark Malman is how he's able to articulate the inart. Is that a word? <laughs> now it is. Uh, well, uh, thank you. Uh, hey, Shakespeare invented words, right? Yeah, that's true. That's mm-hmm. what, I'm no Shakespeare to be certain. Um, but I, I like your take on things. I like how you write songs. I love your live performance. I want to talk about the marathons. Oh, by the way, we should probably mention before the end of this particular podcast, a brand new song that is available as of today from Mark Malman. But before we do that, we should get one more song and then we'll dig that back uh, deeper into uh, everything that's going on here. Uh, uh, we're going to play a song of yours called Peace on Earth. Why did you pick this one? Um, you asked me to pick songs that are important to me from my catalog. Mm-hmm. Um, Laserbeak, I, 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 I wanted to collaborate with him uh, uh, because we came up together in the scene, being that he was in the Plastic Constellations, and we played a lot together in the beginning. And also, I like to blend and experiment and cross genres, and him being a hip-hop producer... Um, we decided to collaborate, and at the time, I had been um, thinking a lot about uh, the, what, how I can use my voice to send more uh, positive messages out there. So I just kind of wrote this these lyrics in like five minutes. <laughs> they were it was it was might be the easiest song to write because it's just glaringly obvious um, that we can have more peace. <laughs> It's pretty easy to write and easy to say and easy to listen to. So this is a collab between Laserbeak and I and and just hopes for, you know, a better world. They always have. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's been like that forever. Same yeah. as it ever was. Well, here's the problem <laughs> is when you call a website allmusic.com, they genuinely try to cover all music, and you can't cover all of it. They just don't. And, like, if anyone from all music is listening, you have never, ever followed through for years. You're late on things. You just 
you, 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 it's just you're terrible at my catalog. It sucks. Yeah, Stephen Thomas Erlewine, you've just been put on <laughs> notice. I, I mean, that's probably not going to help me, but it's like, I'm sick of it, man. I'm sick of it. Like, every other website's got it. Bump, 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 bump. Yep. Except all music. Uh, Mark Malman is on the Brian Oak Show, which is also supported by AudioQuip.com. AudioQuip, they are the ones who, uh, you know, I just, it's it's hard to believe, but they came out of nowhere before this podcast was even a podcast and said, would you like pro-level gear? And we're like, yes. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, I, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm old and I'm not that interesting and dangerous. And they're like, who cares? We we're in. And so audioquip.com, that is a U D I O Q U I P as in audio equipment, audioquip.com. Nate and his entire crew there are real people. They're cool people. They're generous people and they really want to help people. So if you need to rent gear for your gig, if you need to rent gear for a professional, anything, please audioquip.com. They have been so kind to us and if you enjoy this show in any regard and you or anyone you know maybe your nephew's band is like where am i supposed to get a pa where do i get microphones what how do i, I breathe and send them over to nate and the entire crew over at audioquip.com mark malman before we talk about you more and what you're up to and what you're all about i know i don't know if you're a particularly religious man i don't know if you're a particularly i i, I do know that you're a spiritual man but i know more than anything that you're a very philosophical man but i know that you believe in certain things that other people might look on not with scorn, but with skepticism. Like, you once gave me a gift for my birthday. Uh, you know, I, you and I have gone to lunch just because we like hanging out together. We've done lots of work things together in my work in radio over the years. We went to a baseball game together. Yeah. You invited me to a baseball game, and it was amazing. But then for my birthday one year, you gave me this rock. Now, what I love is, <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to diminish what it is, because it's on this beautiful base. When I was a kid... I didn't ever think I was going to be a geologist, but I collected geodes. I collected petrified wood. I collected pyrite. I collected all kinds of different things because I, and then, you know, my parents, we moved a couple times and they're like, are we really carrying this box of rocks around? I'm like, you're goddamn right. We're carrying these. <laughs> of course, I didn't talk to my parents like that as a good Catholic boy, but you gave me this for a very specific reason. And because I'm old and adult, I can't remember what kind of, uh, you know, I, rock it is but you gave it to me because you know people believe that certain rocks crystals structures mean certain things add certain things to your life will you remind me why you gave me this <laughs> i don't it's pyrite it is pyrite which is also fool's gold right now this um, part down here or this part up here no no the part up there is is that's part that's where the they they sometimes they leave that in with pyrite it, it forms naturally These are connected yeah. So oh. it, this is this is the crystal gold. formed. It forms this way, square like that. And some, really? sometimes it doesn't. Some some but then then it was just on this this rock is where they chipped so it out from. I'm supposed to be standing like this, not using the pyrite like a stand. Yeah, it's this way. Okay. This is the rock. Well, and, no uh, wonder it hasn't been working. Uh, well, <laughs> so I like to go to Enchanted Rock Garden uh, mm -hmm. and I like to go to crystal shops on the road. Yep. Because <laughs> this is <clears throat> I don't mean to take the uh, magic away from this because, well, you don't even remember why, so it doesn't matter. But I, uh, I love, I love when I was a kid like y you. I loved geology, and I still do. And uh, I, I, I like, I love to go to rock shops and crystal shops and buy a bunch of crystals, and I keep them at home, and I give them out as gifts uh, to people, and I give them out as gifts uh, because they have, uh, they all have. They're beautiful and they're cheap, <laughs> and uh, and they're completely unique, right? You can right. you're never going to find one exactly like this, and it's super special. There's nothing I can buy you that's going to match something as beautiful as that that came from the earth, and you don't have anything like it. I Even don't. if you already have one pyrite, you don't you can have another one, and they're never going to be the same. So right. it's like a perfect gift. And so I have these crystals next to my bed. I have a bunch of them. And then when it's usually for birthdays, except yesterday I gave someone a box of Captain Crunch. But usually I, <laughs> whoa, I'll grab whoa, these crystals. Yeah, you whoa. missed out on Regular it. Regular Captain Crunch? No, cotton candy Captain Crunch. That actually it's special. sounds... It's really gross. Um, really gross. <laughs> but, but regular Captain Crunch. Also, everyone who bitches about, oh, it chews up the roof of your mouth. Stop it. Stop the stop the the tyranny. All right. It doesn't. If it you, does if though. You have, it doesn't though. No, it doesn't. 
Well, if, uh, if you have milk in the bowl and you know how to actually chew food, not with the top of your mouth like a cow, <gasps> it doesn't. It doesn't eat. I meant like an actual cow. Like it I, I, does. I, it does. It would hurt. A, I if know you, you gave did. it to a cow, it would rip the roof of the cow's. Have you ever seen a cow's tongue? That crap would be fucking delicious powder before it ever got anywhere near the roof of the mouth. A cow, a cow's Let's just tongue. agree to disagree right, on yeah. this one. Brian. All right, fine. Well, my point is, Captain so, Crunch is delicious, but please finish your story. Yeah. So, um, but but what's cool about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I gave you that. And I'm taking it back. No, today. you're not. No, 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 you're not. So here's the, here's the deal. What, what I what I love about this is that you and I we know one another, but we're not like lifelong friends, right? But we have an understanding. I mean, we're friends. Th- oh, oh no, I think we're friends. I'm talking about like like we're not like you know like oh man, I got to plan something special for Mark's birthday. But you gave no. me this gift, and what I love about this, like as a kid, my favorite thing to collect was tiger's eye. Okay, you know, yeah. almost like an agate, mm-hmm. but a little more brown and mm-hmm. and, and yellow. And um, uh, what I love about this is it is unique. And when you made that thing about it's beautiful and it's cheap. That actually, to me, is the essence of gift giving. It, that, that, no, but that whole thing about like it doesn't matter what it costs; it's it's the thought that matters. That's actually true. Like you gave me this, and I've never seen anything quite like it. And I've not gotten it from anybody else. And I brought it into. I mean, it sits in my office every yeah, damn day. It's beautiful. Uh, it's gorgeous, mm-hmm. and I just it, it was very thoughtful of you. And um, no, it was just it was really nice. So I wanted to bring it in. But I thought you told me that like it was like it, yeah. I looked it up before I left, and and. Uh... It's like good for health, business, you know, karate. <laughs> I can't remember. I heard this story of a, um, oh, was, I don't know if it was an NPR story or something like that, but this dude goes down to, to trace one of these shamans uh, where they, you know, where they like take um, and put a bunch of like goat organs on someone and they pull out your illness. You know, you've seen that. Oh, like, yeah. In, so he went down and, and he studied under this shaman and, and uh, I don't remember this entirely. I, I feel like, I don't know where I heard this, but, um, and then at, at the end, uh, he, he's at the very end of like two weeks of doing this, he's like, you have to follow me. And then at the end, he's like, I'm going to show you how it works. And he's like, you put this blood capsule in and you, and then you, um, grab these goat organs and you hide them behind your back and then you start flailing and you drop the goat organs in. And then at that point you pop the blood capsule and then, you know, and then you chant and you pull the illness out of them and that's it. So he, the guy looks at the shaman and he says, so it's a trick. You're not really healing these people. It's just a trick. And he says, well, here's the thing. It's a trick, but it works. And I feel that way about kind of about crystals, right? Because someone will say, you know, this crystal protects you against um, negative energy. So whether the crystal protects you against negative energy or whether your belief in the negative energy is preventing the negative energy, it still kind of works. The placebo effect is scientifically validated for decades and decades, but also I happen to believe with you that there is no reality outside of perception. Yeah. If you believe it, the human brain is capable of things that we haven't begun to comprehend yet. And so if you believe it and you marshal the powers of your brain and your body towards that direction, you can make things happen that might otherwise not happen. And they're cheap. They're cheap. They're like four bucks. I give you this thing. It's four bucks. It's really cool. It's better than if I bought you a beer for four bucks, you know? I don't even like So beer. anyways. I do like Mark Malman on the other hand, though. He's our <laughs> guest today on the Brian Oak Show. In fact, I like Mark Malman quite a bit. We've got a brand new single that is out today at the end of the Bam. podcast. But before we get to that, I want to talk about this song. Now, it is the title track from your most recent release, and it is... Um, I know that it's heavy. I know that yeah. it's attached to some pretty serious personal loss, but also, again, as we're talking about here, some soul searching. And I think that whether you approach life from a scientific venue, from a philosophical venue, from a religious avenue, we're all trying to figure out the same thing. Where the fuck are we? What 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 does any of this mean? Where is all of this and what happens 
when it's over because that's one of the mathematical certainties as well. It will be over at some point, but I love the hopeful message. In fact, you're wearing the leather jacket today that I insisted you let me take a picture <laughs> of when I saw you at First Avenue a couple of years ago. The end is not the end. Will you tell me as much as you're comfortable telling me about this song? Sure. Um, it, it's a counterpart to my book, The Happiness Playlist, and it, it I think it represents the beginning of the narrative, and then the happiness playlist represents the closure of the narrative. It's uh, it's a memoir. The album is sort of a memoir. Uh, I I uh, I was writing a, an album uh, called Nightmares, and it was all about fear, paranoia, panic. And Before you go any further, is that something you deal a lot with? I used to until I figured it out. I got really sick. I had PTSD, and that's all in the book. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Tell me the name of the book one more time. The Happiness Playlist. Got it. And Did I give you one? Uh, anyways, it doesn't matter. Let's talk about it later. Okay. Uh, so the the end is not the end is uh, is, 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 is is sort of a an album processing uh, the loss of my mom. And one thing I, I thought about is... Uh, a lot of death records are are pretty pretty. They're negative. They're bummers. And I was writing this other album about nightmares, and I I thought, why should I? Why am I doing this? And I started getting a lot of panic attacks, and then I started going into this other thing, and and I realized uh, I need to I need to reshift what this album's going to be about, because I realized the nightmares and the the panic was coming from the fact that I wasn't facing or processing this death of my mom. So I started to face it and writing, I just write songs about my life. They're all just, it's just memoir. It's just, I'm just writing what's happening in my life. And uh, one thing that happened was uh, like, I miss my mom and uh, I want to see her again. And this nihilism that had followed me and my music up until that point said, okay, uh, you're never going to see her again. And I said, well, I don't want that. So... I will now believe that there there's something after death. And <laughs> it took a death for me to realize it, but the song is, I'm ready to believe. The song is basically like, um, okay, if I can't see, if I, if I, if I want to see my mom again, I have to believe in the afterlife, then that's my new path. I'm going to believe in an afterlife and not a computer simulation. Though I did think for a second, maybe there could be an afterlife written into the computer simulation, but that's a different podcast. So so I wrote the song, The End Is Not The End, meaning, um, Mom, I can't wait to see you again.
another great track from Mark Malman right there. The end is not the end. Mark, you talk about your mother's death being the inspiration for that and how you like, you know, I want to see mom again. So I have to change the way my brain works and the way I look at the world. Do you think that comes from an actual change in thinking and philosophy, or do you think it just comes from an inability to process the fact that someone who brought you into this world and now is gone and there's nothing ever as terrible, you have to find a way to work that into your, your brain frame? Um, re- rephrase the question. As- okay, do you think that you actually changed your philosophy? Do you think that it made you believe that there really is an afterlife, or do you think that your mother's death hit you so hard that you had to find some way to work it into your your, your the way you think? <laughs> well, I mean, anyone who every death, uh, the loss of a parent or the loss of a family member, just changes you. And I, I I think it changes you on uh, changes your DNA or mm-hmm. something because. Um, I feel the same way about birth, by the way. My DNA changed Mm -hmm. the day my daughter was born. Absolutely, Everything about my brain work. So actually, that is one of the... I'm so glad you used it that way because I hadn't thought of it that way, but my brain completely changed the day my daughter was born. It rewired my entire system, and so, of course, it makes sense that death would do the same thing. um, Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're animals, and animals adapt and change and grow. And uh, we we can't be freaked out when we adapt and change and grow. And we can't uh, punish ourselves for the person we were before we adapted and changed and grew. And as a, an artist, you know, how however badly we, we wish there was another Ziggy Stardust. If Bowie would have wrote a second Ziggy Stardust, it, it wouldn't have been as good because there already was one. So it was important for Bowie to change. It's We look at... You know, we look at Bowie's catalog as a cohesive thing, like a like a, a bunch of awesome movies in a row. But if we were to stand side by side Bowie as it was happening, we might be thinking, yo, what a soul record? What <laughs> young Americans, you know? And, but so when we're in we're in the midst of it, of change, it seems um, abnormal. But when you look back at your entire life, change is, is growth. And uh, so I... I just really became, um, uh, I've, I've become what I am now, which is more open to, to the maybe organic nature of our non-animal selves, the thing, the 21 grams that make us, um, uh, create art, maybe. So question for you, has your mom come to you or energy yeah, we come to you in, in any way yeah. since she died all the time and you know like we just lost ed ackerson mm-hmm. is a dear mm. mixing partner of mine and friend and he you know it's just like it's, it's like they're around and anybody who loses somebody knows that it's so funny because it someone said you know has any weird stuff happened yet after I lost my mom? And I was like, what? And they said, hey, it'll all start happening. And I feel like it's pretty magical uh, that that uh, <laughs> I was doing this show. Uh, Monson was, John Monson was there. A bunch of people were in the basement. Of the, it was a Minnesota Music Academy thing. And uh, I was playing, and, and I had never, I hadn't announced publicly that, my, I lost my mother to suicide. I hadn't, I hadn't ever said it cause I was afraid to use the word for like two years afterwards. And I said, I'm going to say it once on stage because I need to get over this fear. And this, these are my peers. It's a, it's a, it's just, you know, people I know, Dylan Hicks and like friends that I can feel safe. It was like a hundred people. And I was down in this, in this basement and we had a little PA and I had my piano and I just kind of said, it. And I don't think the audience, you know, it really, caught some people because they were talking but for me it was a big deal I was going to say it once uh, on stage and I've never said it again I don't need to I cleanse myself I ex- exercise myself of that fear but I said you know I lost my mom to suicide this song is called The End Is Not The End and right before I went into it Munson will tell you it was, he was there all of a sudden over the PA went this sound it was 
like that, like someone dialing a radio, mm. didn't happen at any other point in the night. And I, I just went, Mom? Like that? <laughs> and then I played the song. And afterwards, I, I went up to John Munson and Dylan Hicks. I said, did you, did you guys hear that sound? And they said, yeah, yeah. So I went home and I told my dad. I was like, what was that? And my dad's like, oh, that was your mom. That was your mom. Like, you know, no big deal. And and it, I'm sure it was. Or it was some energy coming through because how, why, what? It was It was awesome. That's incredible. Mark Malman is the guest on The Brian Oak Show. Don't forget, before the show is over, we are going to hear a brand new single from Mark, which is out today. Today. That would be Thursday, March, what is today, 5th? Yes. March 5th. Um, you brought up Ed Ackerson, um, and I want to talk about him, but that might have to wait for another podcast. Yeah, for, a whole, hard, hard, do a whole Ed podcast. Man. I've been trying. I've been trying to get the right people together, but I think it's still a little too raw for some people. Yeah, in, for sure. Because obviously Ed's been a fixture in this community for so many decades. I remember as a teenager coming down from Coon Rapids, going into the old First Avenue, Pardon me, not First Avenue, Northern Lights Record Store on 7th and Hennepin and the 27 various records sitting up there. And I'm like, "Mm, interesting. And I saw that record for years, so I finally bought it. And that was my introduction to Ed Ackerson and followed him over the years. But we'll talk about that another time. What I'd like to know is for hard though it may be to believe, there may be people who are not entirely certain who the hell the Minneapolis madman in Uh in, in intensities in the Twin Cities is Mark Malman. Where do you come from, man? Where where, 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 did you you grow up? I was born in Milwaukee. uh, uh, Milwaukee, Oregon or Milwaukee, Wisconsin? Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The great land. Yeah. uh, And and, uh, (laughs) and, um, we got a piano, I think, when I was three or four. And I started playing with my mom. And, uh, we, you know, she took lessons and we worked on piano and I started playing and that was it. I think I started writing pop songs when I was around 10. Before we move past that part though, did, did you take to it right away? Like, did you love playing cause you were playing with your mom yeah. or were you like the kid looking out the window? Like, gosh, I'd sure like to go play kickball with the other kids, <laughs> but I got to take my lessons. No, I, I, once I started p- playing piano, I knew that's what I was going to do. I mean, it, it's like, I knew what I was going to do. I mm-hmm. remember... <laughs> This is crazy. I remember being in second grade. I I asked the teacher to go if I could go to the bathroom. So I, yeah, okay. So I got out of the out of the class and I'm walking to the bathroom, and I had this thought, and the thought was, someday you will wear a black leather jacket. <laughs> it's like in it's, second grade. In second grade, like, <laughs> we're like, like I yeah, exactly. yeah, I think I don't know what it was. Like it was this notion of what's you know what's cool. What I don't know, but I've always. I, and I was not cool, and I was not cool for a long time, and I don't know if I am now, but mm. but I don't know what that is, and I don't know where it comes from. I don't know what the word means, and maybe I should like deconstruct it sometime. But I'll tell you I think exactly my whole career cool on stage is deconstructing what that means. You, what, what cool means, in my humble opinion, is anybody who tries to be cool automatically loses cool cred when you follow who you are, when you listen to your heart, when you do the thing that you are supposed to do with confidence and resilience, whether you get knocked down, no matter what life throws at you, that's cool. So, uh, that, Mark in, Mullen, in West Side I, Story, I will vouch for you being cool. Well, also the sharks are pretty fucking cool. It's in like West Side oh, it's Story. like boy, boy, crazy boy. Um, Stay cool, boy, boy. Easy does it. Breezy buzz it. Turn off the juice, boy. I don't right. know. Don't Gotta. get it hot, cause man, you got some hot times ahead. Something. It's just like. Play it cool, boy. I would like you to do that one favor for me. <laughs> yeah. I would like Prince you covers to... that, by the way. No way. Prince yeah. covers. There's a Prince cover of Cool. I think it's a bootleg. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, then now everything I was going to say is worthless. Because I was going to say you work that into your next line. <laughs> I will come up and I. When you're a jet, you're, you're a, a jet, jet all, all the way. way from your first cigarette yeah. to your last dying day. I fucking love West Side it's Story. It's funny you're talking about spirituality and 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 and. You know, I, I started praying in the last five years before I go to bed. Can I ask who you pray to? Well, sometimes I, this is not a joke. Sometimes I pray to Prince. I, I don't think it's a joke. Uh, That's why I ask because people pray to a wide range of things, whether it's people we've lost, whether it is a supreme deity. Usually at night, usually I just say mom. I say mom, take watch over dad. If like Ed, when Ed passed away, I, I was, I was in New York city and I, I was in little Italy and I stepped out of the restaurant. And the first thing I did was I said, Hey mom, you know, guide Ed in whatever, 
way, just guide him in. And that was easy for me to do because when I say God, it, 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 there's all these notions of um, society and the social implications of and political uh, manifestations of manipulation and the historic of, of um, misogyny and a lot of things that I, I don't understand. But when I just keep it simple, I can just say, Mom, God, Prince. Here, that's, mm-hmm. that's what I do because it feels good, it feels natural, it feels calm, and it, and I don't stress out. Where before I was like, uh, okay, I want I want to like talk to the spiritual place, but I can't because of all these society notions of oppression and war and greed, and it's all all this like poisoning uh, with religion. So I just keep good spirituality and. Uh, so Prince like means a lot to me uh, as a spiritual figure channeling music from the beyond. I think you hit it on the head. To me, I think spirituality of some nature is crucial. I think religion is a poisonous virus. You know, can be it can be, but not always. I think re- there's. A, I mean, most of the time, no, most of the time, religion brings people together. It, it causes uh, there are tons of religious people that are that are going on missions to True. to nursing True. missions to you know bring people up there are you know the, i mean i guess everyone's I, I just like, doing their best i like spiritual I, I like the notion of someone's beliefs when they keep it to themselves when they try to convert the so-called ignorant or the savages i think that's where we get into danger and i think that if it means so much to you that you can't withstand the notion of other people believing differently from you that's where religion overrides spirituality for me but like what you're talking about praying to prince god <laughs> your mom no and I'm it not works joking. for me no no but that's the whole bit i'm not mocking you i am saying that is your thing if it brings you actual peace if it gives you relief if it gives you insight then of course it's valuable but you're not making you're not going door to door saying can I tell you the good word about Prince? You know, I, Ryan, I just want to—I just want to say we shouldn't judge people. We shouldn't judge people. We shouldn't. And 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 uh, if if we expect not to be judged, then then we can't judge others. And uh, and I I don't I don't think it's fair of you to uh, to judge other people's um, faith. I agree. I'm not judging anyone's faith. The practice of it. What I'm judging is when that faith becomes a flashpoint, when that faith becomes intolerant of the other people who live on this planet. Oh, it's annoying as hell. It's annoying. But the golden rule is the only thing I believe in. I don't believe in an afterlife. I don't believe in a higher power, and so I appreciate you calling me out there. I'm I'm sorry. No, no, it's, it's totally okay, because I think you're doing the right thing, and I think you're coming from the right spot. I am a golden rule guy. I do not treat anyone other than the way I expect to be treated, but if one's faith allows one to immediately dismiss or dispose of another person or consider them lesser because yeah, they've we, decided they they've can't stopped judge. learning. So, so when you say don't judge, I agree. I guess so I may, have, I may have painted it in too broad a stroke when I said that religion is poison. Religion, I, and I've met a wonderful... I was married by a Catholic priest who was thankfully less dogmatic than most of his colleagues, uh, so much so that I'm like, I won't be married by anybody else but that man. So I agree wholeheartedly with you. I want you to know that, Mr. Malman. Uh, we should not judge until someone's faith leads to intolerance, hatred, or violence. Absolutely. And then I will absolutely judge. Okay. Is that fair? That's fair. That's okay. fair. Um, you know, here's the deal. We're coming up on the end of showtime here, and I have so many things I want to talk about. For for instance, I feel like we could do a whole show on living in a computer simulation. I feel like we could do you a whole- You should do a whole show. I want to hear it. Well, no, I want you to be on it. Oh, I'm, I'm, go- I'm going to do a YouTube video about it this year, about well, how to prove- Because I, I think what's more interesting is in order to prove that we live in a computer simulation- First, you have to prove that we don't. Well, I would like to be a, even a brief guest on your podcast because we're not getting into this right now because there's a little bit of a logic flaw there, but we'll talk about it more. I feel like we disagreed for a moment, and now we're back no, on the I same page. No, I think we disagreed. Uh, actually, we... we, we <laughs> now we, I'm just we, disagreeing. We, <laughs> About disagreeing. You talk. You're the guy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just want to apologize. I'm not the guy. You. No, you don't have to apologize for me for anything. I don't. I <sighs> think that what you said came from the deepest spot in your heart, and it's why I love Mark Mulman. It's why I love Mark Mulman because he's. 
I haven't listened to one of your songs and never felt like I didn't believe it. I never felt like you were telling someone else's story ever in one of your songs. It's why I love... And if you go see Mark Malman live, by the way, before we hear this new single, where would people go to find out more about when you do play live? <laughs> My website. Which is? Which is frequently unupdated, but I... Uh, 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 just Malman, markmalman.com. Okay, yeah, markmalman.com. And, and it, I try to up. It, it's just me running this whole thing. So some days, I, I mean, I don't, I forget, you know, it's, and, and and I feel like that's why it's like fine for me to tell the truth. And that's why I've always just like done what I wanted. And that's why I've done marathons. And that's why I've done weird stuff because it's just me running this thing. Yeah, well, very good. <laughs> well, before we hear about your brand new single and where it comes from, I do have to mention that producer, business partner, Sean Bernard, is also a realtor for Edina Realty at the 50th in France location, a rather <clears throat> Tony address, if you will. Um, Sean, we're heading into spring and people are getting in the mood, aren't they? They're getting a little antsy. Like, not, I'm not talking about just procreation. I'm also talking about either buying a house or selling a house or moving somewhere new. And procreating at the same time. Okay, well, let, you, you can you can christen the house however you like. Let's talk specifically <laughs> about realty. So the cool thing right now is that the rates are at maybe a 50-year low, and so you can get way more house than you could back in the day. When I, my first, when I bought my first house, my credit was okay, and I think the rates were like 7.9. Mm-hmm. Now they're like 3, three and an eighth, which is crazy. So did I just see that the Fed is cutting rates again? They just did. So you're benefiting from coronavirus is what you're saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay, no, very good. Really. No, I know. No. I'm joking around. No. But they did just cut rates again. And they so did. if you were thinking about making a move, you know, we're not in that. I mean, even though the market took a pretty strong dip there, we're not talking proper recession. And it's actually probably a good time to uh, do what you want to do. Yeah, to buy or sell. Uh, so just get a hold of me, 612-859-2594. A portion of every sale goes to the Warming House. It's a local music venue on 40th and Bryant in the base, basement of Farmstead Bike Shop. Uh, and then I also give everybody a membership for two for the entire year to that venue. Uh, I grew up sledding at Kings Hill right across the street from there. I know it well. Um, but love to be able to support that. So so give me a call. Shoot me an email, 612-859-2594 or Sean Bernard at edinarealty.com. And thanks to everybody who came on board and has done so much gratis work for the Brian Oak Show from uh, some of our photos to our website to our logo, you know? I mean, there's so many people. Gatsmer. Yeah, Gatsmer, that guy, right? That guy. Anyway, if you go to brianoakshow.com, you'll find links to all those people's endeavors, and so many people have come together, and so many guests have been so gracious to, without question, come and join us here. Uh, This is episode 35. It's hard for me to imagine. We only started doing this in November, and here we are at episode 35, and our latest and one of my favorite live Minnesota performers, Mark Malman, is our guest today. So, Mark, thank you very much for coming. Yeah, of course. Uh, Before we go, I do want to hear, because it's today, Thursday, March 5th, you have a brand new single out now is this single are you at the stage where you're going to do things piecemeal are you is there a full length on the way do you have a lot in the hopper i just with the end is not the end you know in the digital age i I tend to like i I stretch albums out so i'll do and the album's done it's just uh um I'll, i'll release a single like a monster movies i released a year before the end is not the end came out so i released reverse paradise in fall and now it's spring i'll release i release quarantined and then summer, and then I'm hoping to have the album out in fall. So summer, I'll release another single, and then hopefully I'll release the album in fall. Before we talk about that, you you have to promise me to come back because we didn't even scratch on Ruby Isle. We didn't talk about about your marathons, and I don't think we've talked enough about rocks or computer simulations. So it's great, you know, for an artist like me, it, you don't we don't get a lot of opportunities to discuss our catalog in a serious way because you know, I I an indie artist, an underground artist that has a long career, but I, I, I'm grateful that I, that I'm grateful for your um, knowledge and of the depth of my career. And it, it's the entirety of my life. I wake up and I, I think about my art and I, it's the last thing I think about before I go to sleep. And it's been that way my whole life. Like since I first touched the piano, uh, I knew what I was going to do. And, um, I toured for so long and I put out so many records. I work really hard and, and it means a lot to me um, that you are such a fan. And it, my fans mean a lot to me. And I, I think is if you're a fan uh, of my music, you, you get a better value because uh, there are less fans. So then I give you more love. 
Look at that. We get a bigger piece of the pie is what mom is saying <laughs> right there. Less than Coldplay. I'm thinking less. I have less okay. fans than Coldplay. Right. Well, but you know what, though? Like if, if, if you sucked, I wouldn't feel this way about you. I think you're a okay. genuine artist, and I think that you are a crucial, crucial part of this music community and have been for a couple of decades or I more. I love it here. I love this community. The same. I, you know, I had an opportunity to leave to go to a radio job somewhere else, and I like the Twin Cities and its surrounding area in Minnesota better than I like radio. So that's why we're here right now. Um, we're going to say goodnight right now, or rather, it's not even noon. Is it noon yet? Is it time for lunch? It is yeah, time for lunch. Okay. Anyway, you, Mark Malman, have a new album on the way. Before you tell us about this specific single we're going to hear, your last record, The End Is Not The End, informed largely by the loss of your mother. Obviously mm-hmm. tragic and traumatic for anybody. And you, obviously, that, that led to personal transformation on a yep. big level. Mm-hmm. Um, t- is there is there an overarching theme? I know that we're not going to hear the whole new record until probably this fall, but is there an overarching theme or moment of inspiration or an informative notion that, that, uh, that informs a lot of this record? Oh, I know that's big. I'm sorry. Just you know, I'm I'm, it, I'm just hoping it wasn't another major traumatic event for you. No, no, no. This is a this record is a sonic departure. Um, this next song is is super punk, and uh, it, it's called Quarantined, and it 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 was all just planned this way. Um, I didn't know there was going to be quarantining. The song is about how uh, uh, basically it's about how when I quit drinking, even though I quit, uh, I stopped drinking like five years ago, I had to quarantine myself from the scene and uh, from the, 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 some of the poisonous elements of the community that others can withstand that I realized I couldn't at that point. So I had to stop going to clubs, had to stop going to shows and uh, I didn't see a lot of my friends, and I wrote a song about how I needed to quarantine myself. Later on, I wrote this song. A couple, of, maybe you know, with an album, you write the song, you record the song, it comes out. By the time an album comes out, the song's like two years old. So this song, you know, then Ed and I mixed it. Ed Ackerson and I mixed it, mm. and um, so there's a few Ed mixes on the new record. Um, obviously the songs that aren't finished, unfortunately we can't mix. So I'm right now working with some other people and, but anyways, so the song is called quarantined and, and now it speaks in a way that I think is quite poignant. Um, as a society and a culture, we're having to do things that we don't want to do. We're facing a global pandemic and thinking about, uh, what does it mean to be quarantined? People are learning that the word has an A in it and not an E. <laughs> and, mm. uh, so I, I felt like, it, okay, I'm going to release it anyways. Uh, so it's out there today, and, and yeah, it's a scary idea, uh, but it's a real idea. And, and, of course, like you said, my songs always have a positive bent, and at the end, there's, you know, I will, I'll be back, I will live again, I will return when the streets are clean. Back to the city, back to the scene. Sometimes you got to tear it up, but sometimes you just got to bleed. Mark Malman, thank you very much. <laughs> Did you ever get the feeling that you'd been quarantined? That's if anybody has any feelings anymore these days. You know what I mean? I've been staring at the street, watching all you people. Life is not a video screen. From the city that I knew Quarantine, tell me what the hell did I do Quarantined, where's a jailbird fly to You're doing something right when the villains vilify you
until you try it. Sometimes you gotta tear it up and sometimes you just gotta bleed.